My name is Tyler. I had the privilege of being one of the pastors here, um, and I also have the joy of getting to follow Jesus with all of you. It truly is a joy and a privilege. This morning, we will be wrapping up our Titus series. Like, what an awesome book, right? Three chapters, a little over a thousand words, but it's amazing what's all uh, captured and what's all compacted in those short little three chapters. I hope that you've had the time to read through it a couple times as we've been preaching through the series. Uh, and, but if not, maybe grab your Bible this afternoon. And if possible, grab somebody with you and open it up and read it together. Uh, but it's been extremely helpful in, um, in establishing the question, what is healthy? Back in chapter one, if you remember, Matt kicked us off with an emphasis on what motivates us. Like, to be healthy, we have to do the right things in the right ways for the right reasons and ask questions. And then chapter 2 in Titus, it says, um, it talks about healthy leaders, right? And in Paul's mind, there are leaders, and then there are leaders of leaders, right? He starts with the elders and their role in the church. But then he moves from the elders to all of us who follow Christ. Nobody is excluded from this. Uh, and we, as followers of Christ, show people how to, wh- which way to go. We show them or we know Jesus, and uh, we show him to those around us. A healthy church is one where there's multi-generational discipleship happening, right? The older teaching the younger. And if you are a Christian, you are a leader, and someone is watching the way that you bear the name Christ. So as a Christian, is your influence in their life pointing them towards Jesus? And then t- chapter three, Matt talked to us about it, um, talked through it with us last week, and there was a lot of questions following his sermon. It got a lot of feedback. I would say it was overall really good and healthy, but that's good. We got to ask questions. That's healthy, right? So we looked at what is it, what does it look like to be gone honoring and respecting rulers and authority, right? We have to respect authority in our lives. That is Christ honoring. We pray for those who are in those positions, and we respect all people, and then we remember Jesus, right? right? What he saved us from, and we will reap a prophet. Um, that was Titus chapter 3. So this morning, where are we going with just a couple verses and some closing words, right? If we look closely, Paul has one more principle for us. Uh, it's in Paul's closing words that Samantha just read. Paul is going to demonstrate to us what a, what's healthy. It's healthy to plan and to send leaders out to further the mission of God, right? So a healthy church is a sending church. That being said, not all of us are detail-oriented planners, right? You ever had those people that know their five to 10-year plan, like it's already mapped out? You ever get envious of those kind of people? Uh, but with, those, with that in mind, Matt loves to ask questions, doesn't he? It's like one of the many things that I admire about the guy. And so to honor him this morning, I don't want to talk about how tall or short he is or the, or the fact that he looks like a friendly leprechaun. I'm just going to ask one of his questions, okay? <laughs> so... His question that he likes to ask often is, what is your orientation towards time? What is your orientation towards time? Every person has a dominant time orientation in which you process and react to the world. Whether you are prone to looking to the future, or you live in the present and the moment, or you look at the past, your orientation towards time is where you focus most of your thoughts and attention. Fair? So I've thought about some of these benefits and these downfalls uh, with these three orientations of time. So for my future people, also known as dreamers, you probably have a goal for what and where you want to be down the road, and you can see it clearly and how to get there in five years or so. You people can envision what could be, and we need vision, right? Proverbs says in 29:18, where there is no vision, the people perish. So without visionaries inspired by God in our lives, 
uh, it can be hard for the rest of us to dream and catch vision about what God might be doing and how to follow his leading to where he wants to take us. Now, the struggle um, of always looking forward to the future is you become disconnected with the here and now. And oftentimes, it's hard to live in the moment. And when you experience the future, it's hard to enjoy that when it happens. A present person, on the other hand, is in the moment kind of person. And it's a gift. Like imagine you're talking to a counselor or sharing with a friend something really personal to you, and the whole time they're just disoriented and distracted, and uh, they have no idea what you're talking about. That's not good, right? You want somebody present, especially when you're going through something serious. But it's getting harder and harder in our day and age, in our culture, right, to be present in the moment because we're just so busy. Thank you, Tim. Figured out the buzz, all right. It's driving me nuts. But uh, <laughs> it's hard to be in the present when there's a buzz, right? <laughs> um, we got that figured out, sweet, sweet. So, um, yes, but, um, yeah, I distracted myself now. <laughs> but the present right now, there you go. So the gift of being, it's, we're in a culture where it's so busy, right? We're always distracted, like with what's next? There's always those to-do lists, and plus we always have to be entertained. So it's hard to be present. It's hard to be a person that can enter into a situation and fully be there, not distracted. Now, are you a person that tends to live in the past, right? My friends that live in the past sometimes assume that different circumstances would lead to a more desirable outcome in their life. When we play that kind of mind game, we believe a lie that our hope is only in our circumstances rather than in a God who pours meaning and significance into our lives regardless of our situation. It becomes really hard to enjoy the present and dream about where God is going. I tend to be maybe a little bit more future-oriented. Matt is a very uh, present person-oriented. But I love how our church has all three and how we need all three, and they balance each other out. So present and past people, I want to talk to you for a minute. Looking at the planning and the things that Paul set in motion at the end of his letter, if you would look at me at verse 12. Samantha read it just a moment ago. It says, when I, I send Artemis and Tychius to you, do your best to come to me at Nicolopolis. That's why I had her read it. For I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to, to speed Zena, Zena, that's the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. See that you lack nothing. So present past people, as hard as it might be to think that way, right, these have to do all with future plans. I'm sending so-and-so, so send so-and-so, and do your best to speed it along. Make sure that it happens. Do what you can. Yet, for the future stuff to happen, there's a present reality, right? Paul says, plan on these things, yet as you plan for the future, in verse 14, let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help in urgent needs, right, the present or as they arise, and not be unfruitful. Being, a pr being present to meet needs is how God keeps people from pr becoming unfruitful. And my friends that tend to hang out in the past, we're going to have to go back to um, Titus chapter 2. Look with me to verse 11 in Titus 2. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, past, bringing salvation to all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-control upright and godly lives in the present age, here and now. The gospel is so powerful that it affects our past, our present, and our future. We remember what Jesus has done because that reality spurs us on to hope, love, faith, and good works, and it gives us, it serves a heart that believes God can do it again. And if we're honest, future planning 
and God-sized visions are tough and hard to grasp sometimes, but it's also so exciting to hope and dream about what God might do. And there are things that we believe as a church that we can do, that we ought to do right now to work towards being ascending church. So whatever your orientation of time is, part of being ascending church is we are going to plan, pray, and anticipate to send people out. And at the same time, we're going to focus on the present realities in our church, those urgent needs here and now, all while reminding ourselves and one another uh, of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So why is ascending church healthy? For my friends who are taking notes, here's some of the stuff that I could come up with this week. One, Jesus was sent to us, right? Jesus is the sent one, and he said, I am sending you out. In John chapter 20, 21, Jesus said, my peace may be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you, right? It's others-focused. It keeps us from becoming complacent or insulated as a church, a country club, where we're not open to the outsider, right? Having a sent mentality prevents those things. We are part of a movement, not a monument. So why is sending a church healthy? It's about a mission that is much bigger than us, and it keeps us dependent on God to provide and build his church. It's biblical. Examples of it are right here in Titus. At the beginning of the Bible, it's also present. Some of the first commandments to God's people were to be fruitful, multiply, spread out. I'm sending you out, subdue the earth. And after God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply in Genesis chapter 1, just a few chapters later, look at the result of a fallen world, of sin entering God's good world. In chapter 11, we have a group of people who are all together, and it says, now the whole world had one language and one common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain of Shiran and settled there, and they said to each other, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly, right? We got some engineers on our hands. They used bricks instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build a city that, the tower, that our tower might reach to the heavens so that we may have a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. If you read more of the story, God literally had to confuse all those people with a foreign language so that they would be forced to spread out. Not a healthy way to be sent out, am I right? There are healthier ways to be sent out. And God's desire for all of his people are to be reached. And he wants us, others, to experience that relationship from his people. But like Babel, that goes against our desires and our comforts. So being an ascending church is us fighting the curse and the urge to not scatter. And like Titus 3.14 says, it keeps us from becoming unfruitful. So other benefits of being an ascending church are clearly seen in Titus, right? You have the young pastor being ascending. He was sent to a church, and this creates opportunity for leaders to rise up and use their spiritual gifts to equip the church and for her to be healthy. And I think an appropriate question for us as a church would be, do you hear that and think, oh, that would be nice when God brings the next leader, right, to invest in city like kids or host a city group or be a city group leader, plant a church, maybe Malvern. I don't know, God's doing some crazy stuff in Henderson. Uh, he's also doing stuff in Red Oak. <laughs> uh, just God's doing some stuff in Shenandoah. Who knows where we're going to plant the next church but we know that God wants to send us out. Or do you ask yourself, God, are you ra- or do you ask yourself, God, are you raising me up, calling me and equipping me for, for that good work? I find it fascinating, the response between Moses and Isaiah. 
God sent Moses and Isaiah. Both were sent. But there are clear distinctions and differences between Moses being sent out and Isaiah being sent out. Moses said, can't you send somebody else? Isaiah said, send me, Lord, I'll go, right? So if you look at me uh, at Moses' experience in Exodus 3, 4, it says, when the Lord saw that he had gone over and he looked and called to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. So you have this burning bush, that yet it's not burning. God's in the bush, calls out to Moses. Moses goes to, to the bush, and they have a dialogue back and forth. Moses, I'm sending you to my people to set them free. You're going to do this and this. And he's like, are you sure? And God's like, yeah, I'm sure. I'm going to give you this. He's like, but that's not enough. He's like, well, I'm also going to give you this, right? I'm going to, you're going to be able to, to have these, uh, these abilities through my spirit to empower you. And then Moses says this, well, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send somebody else. Like, I imagine that's somebody's life verse, right? Somebody has that life verse. <laughs> pardon your servant, Lord. Just send somebody else, Right? But if we look at verse 14, what happened in that, in that dialogue? It says, then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, right? It wasn't enough. Everything that God wanted to do for Moses and for his people, it wasn't enough. But if we look at Isaiah's response to the Lord being, when he gets called to be sent out, in Isaiah 6, 8, it says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And then Isaiah said, here I am, Lord. Send me. Please send somebody else verse, I'll go right? You see the difference? In Isaiah's mentality, it matters in our church, and it matters to the life of those that are around us, the lives of those who are around us. When it comes to the lost people in your life, do you see them as spiritually poor, blind, naked, and you being sent to them? What would it look like if our prayers and our thoughts, and we were empowered by the Holy Spirit to have a heart for them and eyes to see them the way that Jesus sees them, that would put a little bit more emphasis on us being sent. Would you agree? What, we felt, what if we felt grief in our heart for our neighbor like that doesn't yet know Jesus, like truly a grief, a burden in our heart that they don't know Jesus and through love felt compelled to move towards them? There are real needs all around us. Montgomery is a place that could easily be overlooked, right? And in many ways, it's unreached, but not forgotten by God. There are real darkness in this part of our little slice of paradise. Montgomery has a whole, as a whole, has been ranked very high when it comes to abuse, addiction, when it comes to poverty, and we're actually, Montgomery is actually the highest um, in all of the counties for just being overall unhealthy. Um, I find that honestly fascinating, but one of the, it's one of the unhealthiest counties. The list honestly could go on. Say, like, this is our why. This is why we pray, we plan, to be a sending church, to plant gospel-centered, spirit-empowered churches and city groups to push back the darkness. This is the good work that we, are, that we ought to devote ourselves that will keep us from becoming unfruitful. Um, it has to move past our health to the health of others. And far too long, we've seen an enemy ravage this good world that God has created. And we, as humans, it's time that we take back what is rightfully the king of kings. For far too long, we have seen the work of the adversary and the countless lives leading to a godless eternity. But God, God is on the move, and we can see him at work, and there is more and more to be done. And people are coming together as lovers and followers of Jesus 
and they believe by the power of God that they can push back the darkness, and this is what we need. This is what we need in our churches. This is what we need in our communities. This is what we need in every county. Friends, these are exciting times in the life of our church. I'm still new here, but over and over again, I hear from you that God's doing something new here, that there's a good foundation, but God is building on that foundation rapidly, and he's just getting started, and he's calling you and I to make a difference. See, like being a sending church is the spark of light that pushes back the darkness, and I'm super excited and, and hopeful about what Jesus is doing, and I can't wait to share this with you. In the next coming weeks, we'll be able to commission some city groups. And I'm super excited about this because multiplication is happening. And there will be individuals that will come up here on the stage. Uh, they'll be able to cast some vision. They'll give you some details about what God's doing and how you can be a part of it. And then us as a church will be able to bless them and pray over them. Uh, one city group potentially becoming three city groups. That's multiplication at its finest, Right? Um, and I'm just grateful for t- Tim Hurley and for uh, Jesse and Sarah Lockman to the time, the talent, and the resources they invested in the city group and the fact that they have an open hand posture because those gospel goodbyes can be really hard, right? But they're not holding it close fisted. They want to see the gospel go forth. They want to see more uh, Christ-centered communities and city groups be planted in their cities, and it's a beautiful thing to be able to be sent out. And so my question for you is, might God be calling you to join one of those city groups in the coming weeks? Like, what would it look like for you to partner with a small group of men and women where you are actually known, you're invested, you're in, you're able to serve, you're challenged and encouraged to look more like Jesus? It can be unstoppable. I find it fascinating. My stuff's all over the place. Um, Maybe you're thinking, I don't need to pray about it. I already know that God, Jesus is pressing that on my heart, and those are the next steps that he wants me to take. I want to encourage you to just come talk to me after this gathering. would love to get you connected to one of those city groups, um, and you can make it your own, a place where you can find a, spirit, a family to belong to, a spiritual family, and a Savior to believe in. And we have one church building, but what do most of us all have in common? We have homes, right? We have one place that we can meet in, at collectively together, which is powerful. We can worship together. We can hear the word. We can uh, pray together. All those things and be sent out all over this county, all over in neighborhoods and cities and networks. Uh, City groups being planted over and over and over again is how we're going to make the biggest gospel splash. So we are planning and praying that God would multiply five more city groups by this time next year. So in 2022, a total of 10 city groups And would you pray to that end, that God would bless it, that he would continue to take your city group deeper, that you guys would know and love Jesus more, that you would reach the outsider, and that there would just be a healthy multiplication that keeps happening over and over again. Part of being a sending church is the mission is a lot bigger than us, like way, way bigger than us. And we have some God-sized dreams. I want to show you this graphic. Um, It shows 21 counties in our area. We plan to reach and send as many people as possible. Our church here in Southwest Iowa has joined up with Salite West CB and Salite Council Bluffs and a rural church in Mount Air to start praying for the southwest corner of our state. The dream is to plant gospel-centered, spirit-empowered churches in every county. So, so far we've hit Pottawatomie and Mills, and there's cool things happening in Mount Air and Ringgold County too, but that means we've only hit three of 21. 
So pray for open doors and for the other 18 counties. Um, it's an awesome God-sized vision and dream, but we serve a, an awesome God, amen? Regionally, regionally we are still praying um, into the 10 and 10. There's a slide for that. So as a church, being part of a city like family of churches, we planted 13 churches in the past nine years, and we don't want to slow down. As a family, we want to continue to see the gospel go and be multi- go forth and be multiplied. So the family has rallied around this vision called 10 and 10. We want to plant 10 churches in 10 regional cities in 10 years. We're on track with that as well. By God's grace, we planted a city like Kansas City and Fort Collins. So would you pray for the remaining eight cities that we haven't yet reached? That would be Colorado Springs. It would be Denver. Des Moines, the Quad Cities, Wichita, Minneapolis, Columbia, and Sioux Falls. It's a big vision, but we serve a big God. And then globally, we have these awesome, awesome opportunities and a partnership with a gal who just grew up right down the street in Essex. Her name is Kyla. Kyla met Noel Hernandez in college. The two got married. Uh, They have three kids, and now their family lives in Asun, Paraguay. Recently, a church there closed and gave the Hernandezes their building to plant a new church. Doesn't that sound like some, something God does? He's done it in our family so much, and it's such a blessing to see it. He's opening doors. And in January, our very own Samantha Mass and her friends from Salem Council Bluffs will be traveling there to learn more about what God is doing, to collect, to collect a vision that they can bring back here and share with us so we can have buy-in and so that we can also pour some more fuel on the fire Uh, as far as what God's doing in Paraguay. Pray for open doors for Hernandez family, their new church, and the ways that we can build partnerships with them. It's amazing to see all that God is doing. And clearly, our church can't do it all, right? But we're not on our own. We can pray for it all. It's gonna take us all, but are you willing to go wherever God might send you? It takes the dreamers, the future-oriented people, takes the present thinkers, the past-oriented people to accomplish this. It takes God's people We believe in a big God that's able to do far more than we could ask or imagine, and our God is on the move. Friends, will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we do lay all these things at your feet. Um, God, we don't know how uh, necessarily we're going to do it all. We have a plan, but God, we believe in you that you're able to do far more than we could ask or imagine. Lord, I just want to pray for the Hernandez family right now. Uh, I want to pray that you would encourage them, that you would build them up, and that as a team rallies around the idea to be sent out on mission, uh, you would bless them, and we could, we could hear about all that you're doing. They would bring it back here and share with the church all that you're doing. Um, yeah, and it would just be this beautiful partnership. And God, as far as pushing back the darkness in this area, uh, God, we know you're capable of doing it. That far too long, this good world has been uh, ravaged by darkness and addiction uh, and sin, and God, you came to set the captive free And so, Lord, I just pray that you would continue to spark new gospel communities all over each county, Father. You know where you're moving. You know what you want to do, what you want to accomplish. God, would you allow us to see that, to have a collective vision, to continue to move and plant churches uh, that are going to make a difference in real lives. So, God, we need your empowerment. God, would we be a people like Isaiah? When you call out, who should I send? Would we be a people who are willing to say, send me, Lord, I'll go? whether that's to our neighbor who's unreached, whether that's to the, the, grocery, grocery, the grocery clerk that, um, yeah, we don't know, we just met and you had a word on our heart for them. 
God, would we be people who continue to spread the gospel and may it go forth, God, mightily for your glory and our good. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Friends, we're gonna transition into communion at this time. Uh, communion is a sweet time for believers. Um, this is just an opportunity for us to connect, to remember all that Jesus has done and partake with that, partake in that together as a family. And so if you're a believer, communion's for you. Um, Jesus said that um, the body was broken for our healing and the blood was spilled for the forgiveness of our sin. Jesus was sent to do for us what we weren't capable of doing on our own, but now he's sending us to do this, this over and over and over again. So um, when you're ready, come up and take communion. We have two stations, uh, but we also have a gluten-free option if you need that. And we have a team that will be praying in the back of the church. If you need prayer for whatever reason, um, please don't hesitate on that awesome opportunity to be prayed over. It's a blessing. Uh, and if you don't know Jesus, maybe go to the back and pray with somebody. Um, Jesus, thank you so much for sending, um, for being sent to us to do for us what we couldn't do on our own. I pray, Lord, that uh, you continue to send us out. For your glory and our good, I pray. Amen.